We're starting a new series on Barnabas. And so it's just a two-part series because first Sunday and second Sunday of September, we're looking at Barnabas. The third Sunday in September, we're, it's going to be a mission Sunday, and we have a special guest speaker, Gerald Hogenberg, who's been an uh, uh, international worker for many, many years, decades, uh, actually, with the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so he's going to be our guest speaker. And then the last Sunday of September is going to be our annual general meeting and a praise Sunday. We're also starting up life groups. Life groups is one of the most critical and important things that we do here in our church. And so I want to just ask you, if you're not part of a life group, I would love for you to be engaged in a life group. And, and on Sundays, we have life group questions as well. And if you're part of a life group, you can engage with others and discuss some of those questions. And if you're not part of a life group and you're not still sure, then can I encourage you to just go on our website and download those questions and read through them and just work through them uh, on your own as well, and I think that would be beneficial, but I would love if every one of us can be engaged in a life group in some way or form, and if you're not part of one, please uh, connect with us, see Les, who's uh, going to be our uh, life group coordinator as well for this season, uh, and we would love to get you connected in. So I'm calling this a vision series on Barnabas the Encourager. Why is it a vision series? The reason I'm calling it a vision series is because it's connected to our vision statement, which is, can someone tell me? Anyone? Touching our world through Jesus, one life at a time, okay? So, touching our world through Jesus Christ, one life at a time. And I hope by this vision series to bring clarity through, uh, to the statement one, in one way. And, and this is really what I desire for our church. I really want our church to be a place of encouragement. Inasmuch as in this last season we prayed and asked the Lord to make Unionville Alliance Church a house of prayer, I'm asking, and can you ask with me, and can you help us as well to make Unionville Alliance Church a house of encouragement? That anyone that comes into this place would feel and know the love of God and be encouraged in some way or form. And so this vision statement, touching our world through Jesus Christ one life at a time, there's many ways in which we can talk about this, but the one way that I'd like to, us to look at in these next couple of weeks, but also for this year, if I can say that, this vision series for this year, is that I would love us to be able to touch our world through Jesus through the means of encouragement. And that can happen in various forms, right, which we'll look at a little bit today because Barnabas really is the perfect example of somebody that lived this out, somebody who touched their world through Jesus, through encouragement, okay? So we're going to look at Barnabas. Here's a question. Now, those watching online, I posed this question at the beginning of the service, right, and we'll, I'll tell you the answer in a moment, but for everyone else here, did you know that Barnabas wasn't his real name? It was actually a nickname given to him. So the question is, what was Barnabas's real name? Think about that, chew on it, we'll get to that in a moment, okay? Uh, and if you're watching online, take a guess, type it in the comment box what your guess is for Barnabas's real name, okay? In this season of isolation and hardships and, and really a lack of community and fellowship, we could all use some encouragement. And I think we can see through the life of Barnabas how to do this and the potential that it can really have. So let's just look at a few different things about the life of Barnabas. Today, we're really going to look at Barnabas' character 
And next Sunday, we're going to look at Barnabas's vision and how he really lived his life. So today, we're just going to look a little bit at Barnabas's character, and hopefully, our lives will be challenged to live like Barnabas lived, because in many ways, Barnabas lived like Jesus lived, okay? So the first thing is that Barnabas was a man of faith empowered by the Spirit. Barnabas was a man of faith empowered by the Spirit. For those watching online, can you just type into the chat box, empowered? I want you to stay with me here through this, through this message. I'm going to be ready on your keyboard because I'm going to ask you to type a few things in. But Barnabas trusted the Lord, and he was empowered by the Spirit of God in all that he did. Look in, uh, in Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 24, it says this. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. So much of what Barnabas did was a result of him being full of the Spirit. So much of what Barnabas did was a result of being empowered by the Spirit. And I want to encourage all of us to yield to the Holy Spirit. Let us be empowered by the Spirit in all that we do, in all that we say, in our conduct, in our speech, in our actions. Let us be empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. And that takes a continual yielding and surrendering and infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis to surrender our lives to the Spirit of God, to let Him use our lives the way that He wants us to be used, not the way that we want to do things. It's a yielding of our will and a surrendering of our will to do the will of God. So in Barnabas' life, what, does this, what did this actually look like? Now I'm going to tell you a few incidences in, this, uh, in Barnabas' life. Now, you can go home and read this as well. A lot of it is found in the book of Acts. There's a couple of references to Barnabas in some of Paul's epistles, but largely it's found in the book of Acts uh, from chapters 4 till about chapter 15 or so. Uh, there are incidences of, of Barnabas coming up. But one thing that Barnabas did early on in Acts chapter 4, Barnabas sold his, some of his land and took that money and brought it to the apostles for them to use it for the furtherance of the work of God and for, and for the church at that time. Now, this was something that was radical. This was something that was, was, was unheard of, right, really before that. And there were a number of people, the Bible says, that did this, but Barnabas is specifically pointed out as somebody that sold his land and came and brought it to uh, the church for it to be used for the furtherance of the work of God. And this is something that's really only done by the empowerment of the Spirit. You're not going to do this naturally, but it's really being led by the Spirit of God to do this. Now, some of you have heard uh, of the Apostle Paul, and you know some of the things that the Apostle Paul has done, and he's very well known in the New Testament. But really, we probably wouldn't know about the Apostle Paul we probably might not even have a lot of his epistles if it wasn't for Barnabas. Because when the Apostle Paul, who was known as a persecutor of the church, before that he was just known as Saul, and he was persecuting the church, and he was trying to get after them and kill so many different people, right? And he didn't want the church to grow. He didn't want the disciples of Jesus to increase. 
But one day, the Apostle Paul, we call him now the Apostle Paul, but one day Paul had an encounter with the Lord and saw Jesus, and Jesus spoke to him, and it completely revolutionized his life, and he became a follower of Jesus and a preacher of the gospel. But the problem was nobody trusted Paul. They didn't want to get close to him. They were like, are you sure we can trust this guy? Do you see what he did before? Can we really listen to him? Do you know that he's responsible for some debts of some people because they were followers of Jesus? Is this a really a true conversion? Is this really somebody that's a follower of Jesus? And they didn't want to get close to him. Even the apostles in Jerusalem didn't want to get close to Paul, didn't want to hear him. But it was Barnabas being led by the Spirit of God, being empowered by the Spirit of God, seeing something in Paul caused Barnabas to go and find Paul and take him to the elders in Jerusalem, to the apostles in Jerusalem, and introduce him and give him an audience there. When uh, in, in the book of Acts, we read about a time when uh, one of the churches in Antioch, when they were fasting and praying, the Spirit of the Lord spoke and said, separate Barnabas and Paul for the work that I've called them to do. And it was the empowerment of the Spirit. They, they continued to fast and pray some more. We recently had a week of fasting and prayer. Thanks for everyone that joined. They fasted and prayed some more, and they prayed for Barnabas and Paul to be empowered by the Spirit, and they sent them off to do the will of God. And so we see in so many different situations and circumstances, especially as you read through what Paul and Barnabas did in their first missionary journey, they did a lot of interesting things. They did miracles and healings. They spoke boldly in the name of the Lord. They did things that were unheard of at that time. How were they able to accomplish this? It was through the empowerment of the Spirit of the living God. It was because they surrendered and yielded to the Lord for the Lord to use their lives. Barnabas used his spiritual gifts, his gifts of leadership, his gifts of encouragement. He allowed his life to be transformed and changed by the power of God, producing the fruit of the Spirit in his life of love and kindness so that others might be blessed. Now, in, in this particular situation, um, uh, when we read about uh, in Acts chapter 11, in this, in this part where they heard what had happened in Antioch and they sent Barnabas, right? And he saw the believers. Now, let me just set the context for you so you understand the, the importance of this event, okay? What's happened here is that there were some people, Jews, that had gone to Antioch and they were preaching and a bunch of Gentiles were coming into the church. Now, this, this was causing a ruckus in the early church. They didn't know what to do. It was only a few chapters later because the ruckus got bigger and bigger and the problem got bigger and bigger Did they finally have to decide what's going to happen. And so the, the leaders of the church, the apostles in Jerusalem, they were really unsure about this. They were not really convinced yet about the Gentiles. Peter just had an experience in Acts chapter 10, the, the chapter before, about Jesus telling him, don't call anyone unclean that I have cleansed. And it was an act to show that the Gentiles were also accepted into the body of Christ. But this was still a very new thing. This was a, still a very uncertain thing because there are still people that were saying, no, even these Gentiles, like you and me, the majority of us, that if we were to follow Jesus, we still needed to keep the law of Moses, circumcision, and doing all those other things. 
And there was a lot of uncertainty. What was the church going to look like? Was it going to be a Jewish church? Was it going to be a, a, a gen, was, was there going to be one church that was Jewish and one church that was Gentile? They didn't know. It, 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 was, it was a very uh, uncertain time. And in such a time of disunity, uncertainty, in such a time when they didn't know the future of the church, this was going to be a big decision to come in, in a couple of chapters later, right? When they didn't know what was going on, who did they send? A man full of the Spirit of God. They said, we don't know what's going to happen. We're not really sure about this. But do you know what we can do? Let's send Barnabas. He's full of the Spirit. He'll know what to do. We know he's not going to mess it up because he has such a heart of encouragement, a heart of love. They were unsure. There was turbulent times in the early church. Some people were saying, no, 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 keep the law of Moses. Other people were saying, no, 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 don't keep the law of Moses. There could have been a huge split in the church at the time. The future was uncertain. And what do you do in that time? Where are the Barnabases? Can I look out in this congregation and look out online as well and see, where are the Barnabases at Unionville Alliance Church? Where are the encouragers at Unionville Alliance Church? Where are the people that in a, in a turbulent time, we can say, send that person. He'll take care of it. It'll be okay. Because he's a man full. He's a woman full. She's a woman full of the Holy Spirit. Send that person to take care of it. Because we know they are led by the Spirit of God. And whatever they do, we know that it will come out good. We don't know what the Lord really wants. But send Barnabas, right? In the uncertainty of that situation, Barnabas played such a critical role, right? In, in Acts chapter 11, when it talks about that early church there, it says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul, right? He, we'll come back to this point a little bit later on. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians, it was in this church, Antioch, that Barnabas was one of the principal leaders that the character of Christ started to be seen in those early followers. I really believe it was in large part due to Barnabas and his influence on the church. He was one of the principal leaders in that church, and they started to call the followers uh, there Christians, little Christs, because they exemplified and reflected the character of Jesus. Number two, Barnabas displayed radical generosity. Those online, can you type there, generosity in the comment box, please? Generosity. Part of Barnabas's character was generosity. Now, I'm going to use an example here with money, but actually, this is way beyond money. This is an attitude. This is a spirit of generosity. It's easy for us to see with money, and that's definitely a fruit of generosity, but it goes much beyond that. But let me use that example in Acts chapter 4. For instance, there was who? Joseph. That was his real name. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles, nicknamed Barnabas. Why did they nickname him? 
because they gave him the name which means son of encouragement because he was such an encourager. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. We read part of that before. He sold a field and brought, part of, uh, and brought the money to the apostles. This was a radical step of generosity because Barnabas wanted to encourage the other apostles and wanted to encourage the work of the early church at that time. There's lots of needs during that time in the early church. But it wasn't that Barnabas was just generous with his money. Barnabas was generous with his time, with his words, with his support, and with his work. In Acts chapter 11, we read about how he encouraged the believers to stay faithful to the Lord. He was generous with his words. He was generous with his appreciation. He was generous to lend his name and reputation to to Paul, who nobody trusted at the time, nobody wanted to talk to, right? They didn't want, they wanted to stay far away from Paul because he was a persecutor of the church. But, but Barnabas lent his name and reputation and, and put his name on the line and said, trust this guy. Now, if Paul had turned around and used that opportunity just to kill all the people there, then who's going to trust Barnabas after that? But Barnabas put his name and reputation. He was generous with his name, he was generous with his reputation, he was generous to put his own neck out on the line for Paul and introduce him and say, trust this man. He was generous with his trust. Acts 9 verse 27, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul, also named Paul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of, in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Barnabas did the same thing for a man named Mark. We'll get into him a little bit later, maybe probably next Sunday. But Mark was a person that journeyed with Paul and Barnabas in one of their missionary journeys. And sadly, because things got a little bit rough, Mark had to leave, right? And then when, they wanted to, uh, when Barnabas wanted to take Mark again, Paul didn't want to have anything to do with it. But Barnabas was generous to Mark. And he put his neck out on the line for Mark again. Barnabas was generous in his support for Paul. In in, in the book of Acts chapter 13, when it talks about the leaders of of the church in Antioch, Barnabas is named first. Paul, or Saul at the time, is named last. But Barnabas was generous in his mentorship of Paul. And Barnabas saw something in Paul that other people didn't see. We'll get into that a little bit more next Sunday. But Barnabas saw something in Paul that other people didn't see, and he was generous in his mentorship. And when Barnabas started to see the work of God in Paul's life, the power of God, the empowerment of the Spirit of God, working in Paul's life as he spoke, as he did miracles, what did Barnabas do? He took a step back, and he said, Paul, you go. Barnabas was probably you know, a few years older than, than Paul. Some historians say that they might have even known each other in uh, in childhood or even at the the school of Gamaliel. But Barnabas took a step back. And as you continue to read through the book of Acts, it, it starts off with Barnabas and Saul or Barnabas and Paul. But as you keep reading those chapters, it switches. It switches now to Paul and Barnabas. Because Paul, Barnabas saw something wonderful and amazing in Paul. He saw the potential in Paul. And he was willing to take a step back. He was generous in his mentorship, generous in his humility, generous to be able to say, hey, this man is anointed of the Lord. Listen to him. 
That's what you see here in Acts uh, chapter 13, verse 4. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to go out. But then even just in the very next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue. In all of the maps in history, if you have a Bible and at the back you might, if you have a physical Bible, you know, sometimes you have maps at the back. Does it ever say the missionary journeys of Barnabas? No. It says the missionary journeys of Paul. He was generous. Barnabas was. He was willing to take a step back and let Paul be used by the Lord. Uh, There was a police officer some years ago. He stopped a person named Hayden Carlo because he had expired registration. He told, Hayden told the officer that he was struggling financially and he couldn't afford to pay his registration. He said he had to decide between paying his registration for his car and feeding his kids because they were struggling financially. And he told him the truth and didn't lie and he felt bad about it. The officer unfortunately still had to give him a ticket but he gave him a ticket and when Hayden opened up the ticket, do you know what he saw? A $100 bill there with the ticket to help him out. The officer didn't want to be known, but, he was, but apparently the department said that he was known for his generous deeds. Friends, brothers and sisters, Paul was, uh, Barnabas was radical in his generosity, not just financially, but in every other area as well. Can we rise up to that challenge to be the encourager with our words, with our actions, with our support, with all that we have to love and support one another. Be the Barnabas. Be the Barnabas. Can our church be filled with Barnabases? Can our church be filled with Barnabases that will speak words of encouragement, that will support one another, that will come alongside one another in tough and difficult times? And be the encourager. Number three, Barnabas was marked by faithfulness. Those online, type in faithfulness. Barnabas was marked by faithfulness. Barnabas was faithful in whatever he was given to do. When the Holy Spirit moved him to sell his land and bring the money to the apostles, Barnabas obeyed. When the apostles asked Barnabas, can you leave Jerusalem and go to Antioch and help those guys out because we don't know what's going on over there, Barnabas listened. When the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I'm I'm calling them to do, Barnabas obeyed. Barnabas was a faithful man. And when the church in Antioch wanted to send an offering to the church in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, do you know what they did? They didn't PayPal them or e-transfer them, nothing like that. They had to gather some money together and they said, who's faithful that we can give this money to? Barnabas. Let's give it to Barnabas and Paul. You take it and give it. We trust you, Barnabas. You're a faithful man. You take it. You give it to them. We know that this money will be safe with you. Whatever the task was given, he was a faithful leader. He was someone that others could follow. When he was sent to Antioch by the apostles, he was sent there just to try to see what was going on and to help them. He stayed for a whole year in Antioch, and he stayed to teach them. And not only that, he was a recruiter. Acts 11, verse 25 um, and 26. I think, it's, sorry, it's the wrong reference there, but it's Acts 11, 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went, uh, 
That's the one. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul, and he found him. He brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large, large uh, crowds of people. See, great leaders recruit and train other leaders. He just didn't abide his time in Antioch. He said, okay, well, they sent me to Antioch. I'm going to go, and I'm going to check it out, see what happens. Okay, everything is good. That's it. No. Barnabas, as a faithful servant of the Lord, as a faithful man, he said, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to stay here for a whole year, and I'm going to, I'm, they, just, they just asked me to go and, and, and see what was going on, but I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to stay there for a whole year, and not only that, I remember this guy, Paul. He's a firebrand. He's a radical guy. He's going to help us here. I'm going to go all the way to Tarsus, find Paul. I'm going to bring him back, and he's going to be a blessing in this church. He was a recruiter. He was a, faith. he was a son in the house of God. He wasn't just a hired servant, just do whatever you're told to do. No, Barnabas was thinking proactively. He said, what more can I do to bless the church in Antioch? Can I ask the church here at Unionville Alliance Church, can we be sons and daughters in the house of God? Don't wait for for Daniel or someone on staff to come and say, hey, can you do this? Or can you do that? But can we be faithful sons and daughters in the house of the Lord and say, I'm going to go the extra mile like Barnabas. I'm going to go and do this and that. I'm going to serve the Lord and do whatever I can to, to to make the church fruitful for the kingdom of God. That's what Barnabas did. He was a son in the house of God. He was willing to go that extra mile. More than anything, his leadership during the missionary journeys was quite significant. When they were at Lystra and a man who was crippled was healed, the people couldn't believe it and they started to worship Paul and Barnabas, right? And they called Barnabas Zeus, right? Acts 14 verse 12. And they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. See, Paul was the chief speaker. But who was the chief leader? Barnabas was. In Greek mythology, Zeus is uh, at the top. He's the king. He's number one. He's at the top of the food chain. That's Zeus. And so they said, no, Barnabas, he's the leader. Paul speaks a lot, you know. But Barnabas, he's the leader. And I think the lesson to learn in this is that you don't need to be at the forefront to lead. You don't need to stand here in the pulpit to lead. You don't need to have some big position of authority to lead. And this is the lesson here in Barnabas is that even though Paul was the chief speaker, they knew he was the leader. They said, let's call him Zeus, because he's the guy in charge. How did they notice that? Barnabas had a quiet, humble disposition, I really believe, because of the type of spirit that he had. You can be a person of influence where God has planted you. You can be a person of influence in your job, in your family, wherever you might be, you can be a person of influence that God can use for his kingdom purposes. Barnabas didn't write any letters in the New Testament, but he greatly influenced two people that did, Paul 
and Mark. We'll get into that next week. See, leadership is not always about speaking or teaching like Paul was doing. Leadership is marked by faithfulness. And I'll say that again. Leadership is marked by faithfulness. Whatever God has called you to do, be faithful to do it. Are you faithful in what God is asking you to do? Lead that way. Much of Barnabas' ministry was behind the scenes, encouraging others, investing into others, leading others in a difficult pathway. It doesn't matter if you're at the, the highest levels of leadership like our elders in our church or if you're helping to clean or set up something. You can lead from where you are by being the example of Jesus Christ to others, by being the fragrance of the Spirit of Christ to others. In whatever position that God has put you in, He has called you to lead and to lead others well by displaying and reflecting the character of Jesus, which is so beautiful and so wonderful, and that is what Barnabas did. You have the chance to touch our world through Jesus Christ one life at a time. You have the opportunity to do that. During, during the years uh, in the United States when they were racing to put somebody on the moon, President John F. Kennedy gave them that charge to put a man on the moon. And so one time it was said that, that President Kennedy visited NASA to see firsthand the space program. And while he was there, he saw a man mopping the floors. And President Kennedy asked him, what are you doing here at NASA? Do you know what he said? I'm helping to put a man on the moon. Friends, we have to see the larger vision. What is our vision statement? Touching our world through Jesus, one life at a time. Do you know we are all responsible for that? We are all, in, should all be engaged in that. To touch our world through Jesus, one life at a time. Fulfill the mission of God. Share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus. That's our responsibility. Whether you're mopping the floor or whether you're responsible for a group or a ministry, whatever it might be, just as this man said who was just mopping the floors at NASA and they asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. He saw the necessity of his job. He saw the importance of his job. Regardless of how somebody on the outside can look at that as something very menial, no, it wasn't. It was important. Every role is critical, from those that are singing and playing instruments, to those that are in the tech team that are doing things, to those that are involved in life groups, to those that are sharing at Alpha, inviting people to Alpha, for those that are in your jobs and you have a Bible study in your, in your job, uh, trying to get your coworkers to understand more about Jesus, to those that are being a blessing to your neighbors and in your community and sharing the love of God wherever God has planted you. We are the fragrance of Christ in every place or at least we should be. Be the Barnabas. Be the Barnabas. Be the encourager. The greatest impact that you can have might not be something you do, but it might be someone you invest in. The greatest impact that you might have might not be something you do, but it could be someone that you invest in. 
Barnabas invested in Paul. And look at what that man did. Barnabas encouraged Paul, supported Paul, spoke into Paul, and look at what that man did. Last thing, number four. Barnabas overflowed with visionary encouragement. Those online, what's the word? Encouragement. This is the main aspect of Barnabas that I desire that we would all have. And we'll talk a little bit about, more about this next week. But Barnabas was an encourager. Not just an encourager, but a visionary encourager. He intentionally saw the good in other people that other people didn't see. He saw good in others. And that's why the apostles named him son of encouragement, right? Because he would, he encouraged the Gentile converts in Antioch when others probably would have had a different reaction. Others would say, oh, what's happening here? All these Gentiles coming to Jesus? Hold on, we've got to put a stop to this. Instead, Barnabas encouraged them. He was glad. He was content. He was, he, they, they sent the right person to Antioch. Thank God. Because if they sent somebody else, who knows what would have happened. He joyfully encouraged them. It says here, when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. He encouraged Paul. He was doing well right up to his, when, when Paul was converted, he was doing well, he was preaching the gospel, then after that he was cast out to, to Tarsus. Barnabas was the one that went and got him back. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened to Paul. We have some Barnabases here. Can I introduce you to one? Michael, come up. Michael's one of our Barnabases. Michael's going to tell you a story about a situation that happened to him and how he saw the power of encouragement. Michael? So, so many years ago, I was a customer service manager for a lawn care company. And you only get called out when things need, you know, it's pretty bad. This lady called in to voice a complaint that the technician had come and fertilized only the front and then got back into his truck and she's paying all this money and she was just irate. Okay, so I, I go out there the next day and as I'm walking up the driveway, there's a gentleman sitting on the porch and he says, my wife's not happy with you. I said, yes, sir, that's why I'm here. May I go to the back? So I go to the back and there's fertilizer all over the place. And while I'm looking at it thinking the technician did a really good job, she comes out onto the back deck and starts to take a strip off me. Front, back, two sides, okay? And then in the middle of it, she starts to cry. And she starts to say, her husband has terminal cancer. They've done all kinds of things, nothing works. He's gonna die and she's gonna be alone. I thought, uh-oh, this is not about fertilizer. I walk up the steps, I touch on her elbow to get her attention, I said, can we not talk about grass or fertilizer? Can we talk about what's happening here? Does he know him? Meaning the Lord. And she says, yes, he reads his Bible every morning. I said, okay, he is going to die. And you're going to miss him. You're going to grieve like crazy. You will see him again, but you won't be alone because she was so concerned that she was going to be alone 
the Lord was going to be with her. We talked about other things, and by the time I left, she was smiling and encouraged. Oh, what a good day. I got back into the truck thinking, oh, Lord, you used me. You brought me out here for this lady. Okay, thank you, Lord. You know, Eric Little, I don't know if you know who that is, 1924, he was a gold medal winner in the 400 meters in the Olympics. He became a missionary to China, where he was actually born. He was a missionary as a kid. But he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And when God uses me to encourage people, I feel his pleasure. Michael, for sharing that. Yes, can we get a round of applause, please? I know that Michael is not the only Barnabas here at Unionville Alliance. I look across this, the ones that are seated here, at least those online. I'm looking with eyes of faith at you too. And I see Barnabas is here. Can we be the Barnabas? Can we rise up to the challenge? 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm just going to read a few verses just in closing very quickly. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I think Paul learned encouragement from Barnabas. Romans 1, verse 12. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 2 Thessalonians, we plead with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. He pleaded with them. He encouraged them because he wanted them to share in the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Close my sermon here as well. Be joyful. Grow in maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Michael Phelps was an was a Olympic gold medalist. He won eight gold medals at one Olympics. It was phenomenal, one of the greatest accomplishments in Olympic history. But after that, he wasn't doing well. He said, quote, I was just a train wreck. I was just a time bomb waiting to go off. No self-esteem, no self-worth. You think, how could he come to that place after accomplishing so much in the fame and praise of, of, of the whole world? In 2014, he was pulled over for a DUI, and it was one of the lowest points in his life, and he started to contemplate suicide. Then his Barnabas, entered into his life. And that man's name was Ray Lewis. He's a Hall of Fame football player. And Lewis started to speak about his own dark past and tried to encourage Phelps, and he gave him a book, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. And it helped Michael Phelps to see a greater purpose for his life. It helped him to see a, a vision beyond himself and to see the God that loved him. And he would call Lewis and he would share what, what he was learning through the book and what was impacting him. Lewis was able to mentor Phelps through that struggle and through that time. It led Phelps to build, rebuild a relationship with his father again, which was disconnected and ruined. And now he speaks to others about overcoming suicide and about overcoming 
mental uh, illness and struggles. Friends, can you mentor someone? Can you speak into the life of someone? Can you be the Barnabas for someone else today?